As we start our time out together in this new year, I want to lift up uh, one verse from the scripture. Actually, it's the verse following uh, the, the text um, that was read earlier on by Heather. So I'm going to lift up Matthew, 12, uh, Matthew 2, verse 12. So we read through 1 through 11, tells the whole story. Matthew 12 is kind of how the story ends up. So uh, let me share with you this verse as we move into our time of the word this morning. And this is about uh, the wise men and God guiding them. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, not to go back the way they came, God led them to go home by another road. By a different way. May God bless this hearing, our understanding, the ways that we would grow up in God's grace and God's word as we are in this time this morning. Let's bow and let's pray, gracious God. We give you thanks for how we have come together in this beautiful season of the birth of the Christ child and how indeed it is his love that would be born anew and afresh and alive and into our world and we pray into us. And even, Lord, as there is this freshness and newness in his coming, we pray that it might awaken in us some new beginnings, some fresh starts, some ways that we would find that your love would come alive, alive in, in new ways, and alive in ways that would, would lead us forward in, into different roads and into new places with new people. Gracious God, again, for the ways that you are one who makes all things new. We give you our thanks and our praise as we are together this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. You know, today is Epiphany Sunday, and in Epiphany Sunday, depending on how you look at the liturgical calendar of the church, it is either the 12th of the 12 days of Christmas or the 13th day of the 12 days of Christmas. And uh, we're still celebrating Christmas. That's why we have the tree up. That's why we like the, the Christmas wreath. That's why we still kind of have all the decorations around, because we're still a little bit in that Christmas mode. And it's traditional when you come into Epiphany Sunday to read the story of the wise man. And, and this is the last narrative of, of all the uh, birth narratives of Jesus. And as, as Susan said earlier, it's, it's traditionally understood that the wise men arrived a lot later than everybody else at the, at the manger. And so uh, what you begin to see is that, uh, that that's the last narrative uh, that we read. And so we read through the story, we read through the narrative, Heather did that, about how the wise men you know, see the star and how they search for the child and how the star leads them to the place where they need to be. And as they get there, they come in and and they fall down and they worship and they give their gifts and, and we know that story. And what I want to focus on is at the very last verse of the very last story on the 13th day of the 12 days of Christmas, at the end of the end of the end of the whole thing, what you get down to is these words. And when they went back home, they went back home a different way. They went back home by another road. The fact for me is that they came to Christmas and they came to the Christ 
And as they came to the Christ, it made a difference. It made a difference in them. It made a difference in how they approached life. It made a difference in their journey in life. Christmas made a difference. Now, we as a people of faith, we've been in a similar journey like the wise men. You know, we spent a month kind of looking forward for Jesus and kind of preparing ourselves and journeying to his birthplace. And, and Advent is all about that. And so we, we've made all those preparations and we've made that same spiritual journey. And we get to Christmas Eve. And as we get to Christmas Eve, we too have that opportunity to come together and as a people of faith to worship the newborn king. And we've done that together, and we've lit our candles, and we've given gifts, you know, in, in celebration of God's gift to us and Jesus Christ. So we, we've done all of that, and so we're at the, at the very end of all things. And the question that comes out of the text, I believe, for me and for you, is as we get ready to leave Christmas and look at it in the rearview mirror, what difference is Christmas going to make? What difference is Christ coming this year going to make for you. What's the difference Christmas makes for you in the year that's before us? You know, this understanding that you see in all of this is that, you know, for the kings, Christ's coming was a catalyst. It was a catalyst for change. You know, when God sends God's son into the world, God sends God's Son into the world, not so that the world can stay the same. And when God sends God's Son into our hearts and into our lives, it's not so that our lives can stay the same. John 3, 17 goes like this. God sent His Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It's an ongoing process of salvation, that the world might be saved and grow up in that salvation in and through him. God sends his son into your heart and into your life as a person of faith, not to condemn you, but that that love might be at work in your heart, in your life, in a way that that salvation might grow up in you, and might lead you forward in how you live your life and, and the journey, the road that you take in life. Christ's coming makes a difference. Christmas makes a difference. The question is, what kind of difference will it make in your life this year? So often the ways that we answer that question, and I think a pretty practical way, and I think a very typical way, is that we come into the middle of the whole season, and we look at the change of the calendar in the new year, and we use that as an opportunity to say, okay, the calendar has changed, and something new has begun. As, as that calendar changes, and something new has begun, in the middle of all that uh, revelry that goes on, you know, we make some resolutions. We look at ourselves and say, well, since there's a change in what's going on, there may be some things when I look at myself that I want to change too. There may be some things where, you know, I, know I want uh, the, the new year to be better than the old year, or I want something that was happening in the new year that's out ahead of me to be better than what was in the past. And so what I need to do is I need to make these changes. And so a lot of times what we do is we approach the change in the calendar in a way to say, this is the difference that's out before me. You know, that I want to live into, that I want to lead my life into. And, and that's, you know, the way that we know about, or the, what we call that is resolutions. 
And so the whole notion of you know, change kind of rests in that whole notion of, of resolution. And I don't know about you, but as I look at that methodology of kind of thinking about how uh, change is going to happen and what difference uh, that's going to make in my life, I, I think that Jeff Van Gundy summed it up pretty well uh, on ESPN Radio. I don't know if anybody is a sports radio listener uh, listens to Jeff Van Gundy. He's a basket, former basketball coach, and he's a play-by-play -play analyst for uh, basketball on ESPN. And Jeff Van Gundy said this about resolutions. He says they don't work. They don't work for me. I'm too old. And he said, and he went on to say this. He says, you know what? You know, I've tried them. And I am what I am. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I've tried them. And they don't work. And I am what I am. And I am okay with that. I don't know if that's anybody else's experience with resolutions, but I think that probably would speak for about 99 and one half percent of what goes on in, in relation to, to how people approach that whole notion of change through resolution. You know? A lot of times it, it just does not work. And, and the, what, when it does not work, what that begins to show us is how difficult doing something different in our lives is. It shows us how hard change is. That's really what it shows us. Not that we're not interested in something being different. Not that we're not interested in change. But we know how hard it is. And we know how difficult it is. And so we've made peace with where we are. You know, I am like I am and I'm okay with that. And I understand that. And I bet you understand that too. But I want to also share with you, friends, that the whole notion of resolution and coming into change in that format, sometimes what we do is we make change harder than it needs to be. We make doing something different more difficult than it needs to be. Because so often when you come into the whole notion of resolution and change, what you begin to do is you begin to make the lists. And maybe you've done that thing where you kind of, you go down and you say, well, I want to make this different, I want to make that different, I want to make that different. And, and I, and I want to tell you, friends, if you have more than one thing on the list, the list is too long. You know, if you have more than one thing on that list, what happens is that list will become stressful. That list will become a burden. That list will become demanding, and that list will become something that can even become overwhelming. And, and so what the list, you know, is supposed to lead you into something better, all of a sudden becomes something that's like a chain that's dragging you, a ball and chain that's kind of dragging you down. You know? So making the list is probably not the most helpful thing to do. And then the second thing we do that makes it really hard is we, we begin to look down that list, and oftentimes when you write down what's on that list, the things that are on that list are things that you don't like about yourself. Are those things, those places in your life where you say, you know, when I look at my life, I'm not happy with who I am here or what's going on at this place in my life. Oftentimes it's places where we fail. Oftentimes it's places where we've fallen short. Oftentimes it's places where, you know, I feel inadequate there. We, we come out of a very negative place in our lives in terms of the change that we want to see in our lives. And when we come out of that very negative place and we wonder, well, why, why doesn't something different happen? Why doesn't something good happen out of something that's, where they're all that stirring of, you know, that we're, we're kind of struggling with a bunch of stuff? 
And then a third way that we make it also difficult for ourselves is we feel that the only way that that change is going to happen is that I am going to make it happen or that you are going to make it happen. And it becomes a matter of willpower or it becomes a matter of won't power or it becomes a matter of inner resolve or it becomes a matter of you know, self-improvement. This is what I am going to do to make this change possible in my life. And what you begin to find with that is that willpower and won't power is a limited commodity. You know, it's like something you start taking off the shelf. You can, you know, you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it, and you'll find as you do it that there comes a point in time, and if you're like me, a point in time can come pretty quick, where I just run out of willpower, or I run, run out of won't power, or I run out of inner resolve. And what I also find is that the habit that I'm trying to change is more stubborn than the strength that I can get from my willpower. And so what happens is when I run out, man, I just, just, everything, all the wheels come off, you know? And so you find yourself at that place, and when all the wheels come off and the list starts to go down the drain and you've tried and you failed and you tried and you failed, then what happens is you quit. <laughs> Give up. You know, this is too big for me. This change is too difficult for me. I, I can't do this. And so you just give it up. And when you give it up, if you're like me, then I feel guilty about it. <laughs> and I think, why did I give myself this guilt trip? And so often that is what happens when you begin to think about personal change. There's this way that we approach it, this way that we move through it, that just makes it so much more difficult than it has to be. Because there is a different way of approaching it. There is a different way of coming in to change in our lives that's a gift of God to you and to me and that the scripture invites us to embrace as we, as we enter into the whole understanding that we have a God who makes all things new. And so the scripture brings forward this, this understanding that even as we move into change in our lives, that it's God's gift to you and it's God's gift to me. In that, in that whole notion of gift, what God is not asking us to do is to make a list about, about what you know, we want out of ourselves. But instead, what we're invited to do is we're invited to think about one thing, one way, where you think that God would be growing something beautiful in you. One thing one way, that God would be at work in you, growing something beautiful. You know, dump the list. Bring it to a focus. Bring it to a place where you can concentrate on it. Bring it to a place where you can say, you know, I can say this in one word, and I can think about it, and I can pray about it, and meditate on it in ways that, that it will lead me forward. So you dump the list, and you pick one thing, one word. And you should pick the one thing and the one word. Don't pick the thing that you don't like about yourself, and don't pick the thing that, that you know, where you feel inadequate. Don't do that. Pick the thing where you think God would be growing something beautiful here in my life, in this way. Pick the thing that would inspire you. Pick the thing that would excite you. 
Pick the thing where you say, you know what, if, if I had this in my life as God's gift to me, this would just make my life more beautiful. And so come out of that place of, of the sense of giftfulness rather than the sense of inadequacy. And let that lead you forward. And then count on the fact that the strength that's there to begin to make this happen in your life is not about your strength and it's not about my strength. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the inexhaustible strength of the Holy Spirit that would draw near to your heart, draw near to my heart in ways that it would be God that's lifting us up and God that's leading us forward and God that's guiding us along. Because when God wants to give the gift, when God wants to work the change, God's behind it all the way. We don't have to, you know, manufacture it or engineer it. We just have to cooperate and we have to collaborate and we have to work along. And that's what faith is all about, to walk along with God in ways that God can do that work, that Holy Spirit work, in and through you and in and through me. And as God does that Holy Spirit work in and through you and in and through me, you know, we don't have to worry any longer about successes or failures, or whether we tried something and made it, or we tried something and we didn't make it. And that's not what it's about. Because what happens is God knows that when it comes to growth, it's about grace. God knows that when it comes to growth, there are successes and there are failures and there are mountaintops and there are valleys and there's, you know, it's, it's, it's the up and down and the in and out of it all, and God knows that. And just as you and I love our children, and as they're growing up, you know, we're right there with them when they, when they do their triumphs or when they stumble and fall. God is right there with us when we do our triumphs or when we stumble and fall to bring forward the one thing that God would be bringing into your life. So begin to think about the change as God, a gift of God to you. Knowing that as you begin to think about that, we have a God who makes a promise to you and to me. And it's right there in the window. It's right there in the window. Behold, I make all things new. I don't know about you, I love coming in here and I love reading that window. <laughs> because it just witnesses to me, week in and week out, that the power of God is here in our lives to make everything new, in you and in me. See, the, the catalyst of Christmas, the gift of Christmas, the John 1 kind of phrases it out like this. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, the Word. And that Word, Jesus Christ, you know, he was in the beginning. And all things were made in him. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The Word is the creative power of God. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And in that, we embrace that word in the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we live in that grace and truth in a way that that word, that one word of God, would come along into my heart and your heart, my life and your life, and inspire one word, one way, that God would be growing grace and truth in you, in me, in the year that's before us. I believe that for you. And I believe that for me. That God wants to grow grace and truth in you. Grow grace and truth in me. Because that's the kind of God we have. The God who is the word. The God who comes and would give us one word. 
And so the question that we enter into the year with is this question. What one word is God giving you? And it's going to be unique. And it's going to be yours for the one work that God wants to work in your life in this year. What's the one word that God is giving you for the one work that God wants to work in your life in this coming year? Because I believe that Christmas makes a difference, and you do too. I believe that Christ's coming makes a difference, and you do too. And through that word, we begin to discover that. And so I leave you this week with that question. I invite you back next week. Next week, we're going to think about how do you choose that word? How do you begin to focus on what your word is? And the third week, what we'll look at is how as we live into that word, how do we begin to live into it in a way that begins to, to grow in us? And so I want to invite you back for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a beautiful series leading us into all that God would have for us in the year ahead. As we leave Christmas behind, as we take move forward by taking a different road. Let's bow and let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks always for your word. We give you thanks always for your promise, your truth that embraces our lives, that leads us into a newness in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, we are new creations. The old passes away. Behold, the new is come. Lord, for that miracle and the way that you work it by the power of your spirit, for the ways that we live in it in these days, we give you our thanks and praise through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. As we start the new year off, I can't think of a better way to do it than to, to be in worship together and particularly to come to the table together and join in the sacrament together. Whenever we join in the sacrament, you know that this is not a Spring Valley table. It's not a United Methodist table. It's a table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of us are invited to come and feast upon the bounty of his grace. I'm going to invite those who are assisting with communion to come forward at this time and join me at the front as we join together in the sacrament this morning. Your friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness, brought forth life on the earth with the speaking of your word. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity and made covenant to be our sovereign God and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with all the people of earth and all the company of heaven, we join together in the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself as our light and as our salvation. You sent a star to guide the wise ones to where the Christ was to be born. And in your signs and witnesses, people of every age have been guided to you and to the place of your life and of your love. And so we come in this night in this day to that place, remembering 
how on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, and after giving thanks and blessing the bread, he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks of the cup, he poured it out, and he gave it to them and said, take and drink, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and of the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Father Almighty, now and forever. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together the prayer that our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 